listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 16, I think, of the Testudo Times Podcast where I'm happy to inform you all that Maryland football did not lose this past weekend. I'm joined by uh, Alex Kirster, first of all, one of your co-editors of Testudo Times. Alex, what did you do uh, this weekend with no Maryland football to occupy your time? I was covering other football um, for, for the network, and there was a lot of really good stuff going on. So it was, it was a good weekend, of, uh, good weekend of football watching and writing for sure. What was your title for the ending of the Michigan State-Michigan game? Fail to the victors. Uh, that's a good one. I stole impartial to punt Michigan punt. That that one's that one's I like yeah. that. There are plenty of titles that you could think of. Uh, we had a, a big SB Nation had a post on that. It was fun. They didn't have punt Michigan punt though, which disappointed me. And joining us because this is a bye week and we wanted to change things up a bit. A Maryland alum, and he is the editor of SB Nation's Houston Rockets blog. Ethan Rothstein. Ethan, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, first of all, before we get into Maryland stuff, uh, tell everybody what you do, your history at Maryland, and how you became uh, editor of the SB Nation Houston Rocket site. Uh, so I graduated from Maryland in 2011. I went there uh, for four years. Uh, thank God. Uh, I went to the journalism school. Um, I'm from New York originally, but I've always been a Houston Rockets fan ever since the days of Hakeem Olajuwon blocking John Starks in the 1994 NBA Finals. Um, and uh, I joined with SB Nation right out of college, part-time, doing the news desk, very similar to what I'm uh, assuming that you do, Alex, now. I uh, did that for uh, a few yeah. years um, and then kind of worked my way up to doing more and more NBA and NFL stuff. And when there was an opening for the Rockets blog, they asked me to, to run it just because I'm a Rockets fan and it was pretty easy for them. They didn't need to train someone new, bring someone in. So I've been running that for about a year now, actually. It was a year on October 8th. That is, very, that is very exciting. So you'll be the perfect person to talk about basketball with since we're all angry with football over here. Yeah, I've, I'd love to talk hoops. Uh, and as a Jets fan as well, I'm, I'm used to tortured football. Um, so we can talk some football torture as well. You Jets fans know nothing about being bad in football. You've had it for longer, but you haven't been as bad or as bad as the Jaguars have been these past couple of years. But let's not compare. <laughs> let's not compare these things. Uh, Maryland's uh, basketball, women's and men's, had its uh, media day today. Alex, you were just there. We're recording this Tuesday evening. Uh, I missed it because I was occupied with class and other things, including the Champions League. Uh, what happened? Did anything? Do we hear anything new from uh, Turgeon and Freeze and company? Um, you know, you, you do hear some new things. You know, typically media day isn't going to be a forum for any kind of earth-shattering news break or anything like that. It's It's more just kind of a... An introduction and a get to know you. But there was a lot of really good stuff going on. Um, some really cool stuff for our site. Um, what time are we posting this podcast? We're posting this podcast tomorrow. Probably. You'll. Yeah. This is a little inside TV joke for you here, uh, listeners. Right. <laughs> right. So um, by this time, we'll have published our first ever one on one with Mark Turgeon, which is a great thing um, for our site to get a chance to talk to him and hear his thoughts on the year. Um, Got to get to know a couple of Maryland's players who we hadn't, <clears throat> hadn't seen before. Uh, Rashid Suleiman and Diamond Stone are chief among those. Um, so, it's, you know, it's always always helpful to kind of meet the people that you're going to be writing about. I think it's good to develop those relationships a little bit and, and start to learn. 
And Maryland Madness was on Saturday. Once again, something I was following on Twitter, thanks to the New York Mets, which has uh, been sports joy in my life. But anyway, uh, Maryland Madness seemed like fun, except for the dance track that didn't play. So the dancers were standing out there for three minutes awkwardly doing nothing. Whoops. I hope that's not an omen. Uh, anything else from Maryland Madness that was exciting or noteworthy? I actually was covering football during that. Uh, we had Matt Ellenchuk there, and uh, it seemed it seemed like there was a decent atmosphere. I think, but I'm da- not sure. I think Dave Tucker was there. And Dave, Dave was in the crowd, yeah. Uh, apparently his daughter was crying, which was, uh, again, great omen for the season to come. Possibility. Uh, I don't know. So, Ethan, as somebody who's sort of an outsider, you're a Maryland fan, obviously, but you're not Alex. You're not inside the program every day. When you think about Maryland basketball this season, what do you, you think the same thing that everybody else is thinking, which is, hey, they can win the national championship? Uh, well, the first thought that comes to mind is nervous excitement. Uh, as someone who has been following the program for close to 10 years now, uh, I've yet to experience a Sweet 16. Uh, I did not grow up a Maryland fan, so have not even been out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament since I've been in school. Um, I would honestly just take that at the Elite Eight, the Final Four, um, the idea of being talked about national championship favorites before we've played a game just makes makes me too nervous, and it feels way too much like a jinx. So I, I, I see it, and I read it, and I enjoy it for the most part, but it also gives me this horrible, tight feeling in my stomach just thinking about that possibility. So are you one of those people who, if you were broadcasting a baseball game with a no-hitter, you would not actually mention that said pitcher has a no-hitter? Uh, probably. <laughs> I, I'm superstitious, but I'm willing to say that they can win the national championship. I, I do I'm, some crazy stuff superstition-wise, but I would I could officially I could say Maryland's a national championship contender. I'm willing to say that they have as much talent as anybody in the country. Uh, but one of my big philosophies when talking about sports, covering sports, observing sports, is how important experience and chemistry and leadership is. Um, and you just don't know that until the team is on the court, until they gel together. You don't know how uh, Suleiman's going to come in, Carter's going to come in, Stone's going to come in. You don't know how all this talent is going to mesh together, any chemistry issues that come from people get, not getting as much playing time as they feel they deserve. Um, you know, it's just it's so it's so early. Yes, it's early for everyone, so if they're on the list, but until we see them play, I'm just, I can't make that emotional leap yet <laughs> alex what are you thinking about that or never mind ethan expand on that point because you well you're you're a fan of the rockets they're a pretty good team in their own right so do you think that that colors your experience a bit uh when you're when you talk about maryland uh yeah i think just covering uh covering any team kind of day in and day out you really uh appreciate kind of all the little things that happen over the course of a season and the NBA season is a lot longer than the college season. Um, but especially covering the Rockets last year and covering them this year, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Houston Rockets as uh, one of the potential contenders for the NBA championship. And I'm much more familiar with them and I've seen them go far in the playoffs. So I'm much more confident saying that the you know, the Rockets should be considered NBA finals contenders because they were in the Western Conference Finals last year. You know, they took a game off the eventual champs. Uh, Maryland has still never, I mean, none of these players, and Mark Turgeon himself has never played in the, been in the Elite Eight. They've never been in the Final Four. I don't know how they respond to the championship. They've never been in the ACC Final Four, ACC uh, Tournament Final Four. 
Um, Oh my God, I just said ACC. I'm so old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, Alex and I went here for two years when Maryland was in the ACC. You should, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, to, but, to imagine that next year's, uh, next year's senior class is the last class that ever saw Maryland in the ACC as students. <laughs> uh, yeah, that will make you just, feel old. Anyway. Th- that's crazy to think about. Anyway, Alex, you were I know you were listening in on what Ethan was saying. Do you agree with a lot of what he said? I do. I do. I think that you never know exactly how things will shake out in a college basketball season. Uh, Unlike college football, college basketball lends itself to a pretty good amount of unpredictability, especially in the postseason. Um, So you never know exactly the way that things will look when they actually play the games. Um, With that said, I think Maryland has good reason to feel great about where it's at right now. Um, There's no weakness on this team. There's really nothing that shouldn't be a strength. you know, last year Maryland had a couple of very legitimate weak points that came back to haunt it badly uh, against West Virginia in the NCAA tournament and at other points. Um, I don't think that those sore spots really exist at this point, though things can always change. So while there is always going to be that degree of uncertainty, I think they're in a pretty good spot. How are the coach, How does Mark Turgeon deal with co- going from coaching a team last season that had so many new faces and a lot of uncertainty about his job to a year saying, how do I manage national championship expectations, which obviously has. The USA Today poll came out sometime recently. I don't remember when. And Maryland's number three. So there are a lot of expectations to manage for a team that's picked to win a very, very good conference. Yeah, I think, look, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I asked him today when we talked. I, I said, you know, last year when I met you for the first time covering you for Maryland Madness, I asked you something like, you know, what's different about this year's team than last year's team? And, and Turgeon really didn't even want to answer because it would have required him to say such bad things about the team from the year before. Uh, and that, you know, because things were dark at that point. Um, obviously, things are a lot brighter right now. But if you ask Turgeon, he says things haven't really changed for him. Um, you know, he said, this is what I do. I'm, I'm a basketball coach. Um, and the pressure that we might stick on him, um, I mean, not to say that it's not anywhere in his mind but it really doesn't seem to be um at the front of his mind and i don't think you know if maryland loses a game or two early this year and people start you know freaking out and panicking i I don't know that he will i think he seems like he's on a pretty even keel just like he was last year and and maybe people thought last year he was too high maybe this year they think he's too low um but he's he's a very mild-mannered guy i don't think as maryland fans we know what the uh idea of uh, not overreacting after one loss. Right, if right. Maryland loses to North Carolina, even when they're number one and on the road, people will freak out. That's just going to happen. Uh, and uh, Ethan, you know, you, again, you cover the Rockets. They're a team with a bit of a target on their back. Not the target, but a target. Maryland is going to have a target on its back, being a Big Ten favorite and being an, a national championship favorite. How do we as fans, should we deal with something like that? Because when Maryland goes on the road to every place they play this season, in, especially in the Big Ten, they're going to be a favorite, and the likelihood is the opposing fans will storm the court if they win, if their team wins. So how do you, as a fan, as a fan of a team with expectations, how do we, how should we manage them going through a long season, especially in college basketball, where there is so much uncertainty? Uh you know, I honestly don't know. I'm terrible at managing <laughs> that stuff. When Maryland loses, you know, I don't freak out necessarily, but it really upsets me. Uh, and, you know, I'm one of the people who 
uh, have been kind of harsh on Turgeon in the past. I think he's got a great mindset, and he's you know obviously a phenomenal recruiter. Um, but as uh, someone who went to school during the Gary Williams era uh, and seeing what he did with such little talent um, and just the how strong their basketball fundamentals were – uh, and how Turgeon's teams have generally been the opposite of that. Um, you know, to me, it'll just be uh, it'll be key for everyone to remember that, you know, these are teenagers for the most part. You know, tr- I think Trimble's 20, Diamond Stone's 18. Uh, you know, all these these are just kids. Uh, and even if a lot of Maryland fans are kids themselves, you know, it just everyone just got to take it easy for college sports myself included kids in thought and kids in mind both and kids in person uh maryland student section at basketball games can be a little bit eh. anyway well especially your comment on fans and college sports is especially relatable after michigan's punter uh poor oh god i don't want to read his twitter mentions afterwards alex there was a point that ethan was making there that i i want to expand upon when you th- Think about the way that we, when you think about Turgeon, the first two years that I was here watching Mark Turgeon's teams, I said, boy, he can recruit, but it seems like this team has no clue what they're doing when they get onto the floor. It seems like running an offense was kind of alien to them. That changed a lot last year, and obviously there were assistant coach shuffles involved in that mix. Do you think now, was it a personnel thing? Was it a coaching thing? Why Maryland sometimes in the past just looked kind of clueless on the court when it came to running an offense having a general idea of this is how we're going to attack a game. Well, I don't think that uh, Mark Trudgeon's offense is really all that uh, complex or anything. I mean, I think it's a lot of motion on the outside uh, beyond the three-point line. Uh, It's a lot of pick and rolls when they're available. uh, And it's a lot of driving and just kicking to find open three-point shooters. So these aren't things that uh, are that new, I don't think, to most Division I basketball players who come into Maryland. Um, I, I think you might expect that you'll see some wrinkles as things go forward. And I know that Trojan's talked about wanting to put in some more sideline plays and things like that. Um, but I think it probably was mostly personnel and, and Maryland just having, especially in the past, a lot of just isolation specialists. I mean, Des Wells is, is an isolation specialist. Um, Seth Allen was an isol- isolation specialist. We had a lot of players who were pretty good at taking guys to the whole one-on-one but weren't you know, the most deft passers in the world. Uh, I think on this year's team, you'll probably see a little bit more of a flowing, more more technically sound brand of offense. Which is pretty because of the personnel. It's pretty good. That's pretty nice to see. Uh, Maryland has a ton of players who were voted on preseason awards watch lists, preseason award. Bello Trimble was named Big Ten Player of the Year preseason. Uh, when you think about that, again, it's expectations on players who some of them had those expectations, and then you have a guy like Jake Lehman who's been here from ground zero to top of the mountain. Do you think that, that I would assume that does weigh on players, but you have to think, like, when, when you're thinking of a player like Jake Lehman introduced last at Maryland Manus, it's, fu- it's fun to think about just the way where he's come from as a player, from being, you know, part of the first recru- uh, 2012 recruiting class to now being a Big Ten Player of the Year at his position it's, and being on a watch list. That's pretty cool, isn't it, Alex? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is, especially given the way that he stuck with Mark Turgeon and the way that he's spoken about him in the past. And I think there was a pretty similar dynamic with Des Wells um, when he didn't leave for the NBA before last year, although in retrospect that might not have been something that was that likely anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a bond there. Um, I mean, Mark Turgeon, Mark Turgeon is 
pretty clearly um, a, a guy that loves his players. And I don't know that there's anybody, with the possible exception of Melo Trimble, who I think Mark Turgeon might love. Like I mean, I I, I think Turgeon has just a, a remarkable amount of, of love and admiration for Trimble. But I think Jake Lehman is, is right there just because of the way that he's kind of stuck with this program and the way that he's gotten better over time. Well, I would hope he loves Melo Trimble. He kind of personally saved his job a bit last year. Yeah, Melo Trimble, I was thinking about this. Melo Trimble's done a lot for Maryland basketball. Just, I mean... By, he's been here just, for a year. Being, by being raised here and coming to school here, I think he's been pretty pretty pivotal for the program. Do you think, you know, when we think about the basketball DMV UMD, and we can think about it in all of these sports, Dwayne Haskins is the football guy for the DMV UMD. Is Mello Trimble's the basketball center of that? All of the DMV UMD recruits kind of now revolve around, well, let Mello Trimble did this, and he's really good. It could go in the first round of the NBA draft next year. So maybe we could do the same thing. Is that a correct statement? I mean, that's certainly the goal, right? You know, when you're recruiting, um, having when you're recruiting, and then when you have players already in a system, um, as Maryland does now, if you have players who get to the next level and succeed there and get drafted and start making money, um, you can tell other people that they're going to get those same opportunities. And I think that's got to be, um, as Maryland moves forward, a, a nice little luxury to have. Ethan, when we think of the rest of college basketball, I don't know how much you you, you pay attention, but it might not be as close, you know, uh, as you do the NBA. Where is Maryland's? We said they don't have any real weaknesses on the court, aside from the experience and the gelling together and the the cohesiveness. But where could you see their biggest weakness possibly being? Um, honestly, it 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 really reared its head against West Virginia, and I'm not sure that it's fully been addressed as what happens if Melo Trimble goes down? Um, West Virginia, they, I mean, they, they took Melo Trimble out. You know, it was face- They injured him. They injured him, and it looked real intentional uh, from, from uh, you know, my biased eyes. Um, and he is so much the key for everything that Maryland did last year, and he will be again this year. His... Uh, you know, his demeanor, his poise on the court, his ability to uh, conduct the offense and his ability to get everyone involved um, is really, you know, the the driving force behind everything Maryland did and I'm assuming will do. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know the, the roster as well as you guys, um, but the fact that I haven't heard too much people talking about the depth behind Trimble is a concern because if you want to talk about targets, on their back, Maryland as a team has one. Trimble has maybe the biggest one in the country. Um, so it's still a concern, the fact that, uh, you know, what happens when he goes down, if he goes down. Because um, in the tournament, you can bet that people saw West Virginia take him out and then take Maryland out. You can bet that people are going to be looking to do that the same way again next year. As a rebuttal to that, though, Rashid Suleiman is projected to start. Jared Dickens and Deion Wiley are here. And Maryland recruited a backup point guard. So do you think that's as big of a problem as Ethan makes it out to be, Alex. I think it's a problem. But if Maryland loses Melo Trimble, then that's bad. Obviously, Um, I think think they're better suited to handle it now, certainly, than they were a year ago. I I actually think Maryland's so deep that even without Melo Trimble, Maryland would probably be. Really, I think Maryland would probably still be picked to win the Big Ten. Um, But needless to say, it would not be a positive outcome for Maryland if Melo Trimble were to have, for any reason, uh, have to leave. Maryland's lineup for any extended period of time. Let's let's just let's just assume let's just say let's cross everything, rub Testudo's nose on every part of campus, and hope that he does not get hurt or anything like the like, right? Absolutely, absolutely. 
Oh, we can all yes. do that. So it was good on basketball. We have to talk about football now. I'm sorry, guys. I know we're going to harsh everyone's buzz, but we need to talk about football. And since we last did a podcast, we recorded the last show on Monday in the afternoon. Two new head coaching vacancies opened up right after we recorded. Both USC, South Carolina and Southern California. And Maryland's job is suddenly not quite as attractive, and it's still October. Uh, and then Justin Fuente beat Ole Miss, and his price tag just went up by a million dollars. So Alex... Uh, Maryland didn't do anything. They didn't play football this past weekend. But did the status of the job change? No, I don't think so. I think that there's still, you know, they're still so early in the process that whatever happens in in week seven of the 2015 season probably won't um, do too much to change the outcome here. I think that by virtue of both USC's now having jobs open. Um, that could theoretically change some things in case they want the same candidates. But, uh, no, I, I think Maryland's in the same shape it was. Ethan, we haven't had a chance to hear from you. Who would you <laughs> like to see as Maryland's next head coach? It doesn't. Uh, you can say whether you want it to be a realistic option or be like Wallace Lowe and assume Chip Kelly's going to get fired from the Eagles, which is not going to happen. You can take whatever <laughs> road you want. The floor is uh, yours. <laughs> Is, can we get James Franklin back? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you, you might never be allowed on Testudo Times again if you say that. <laughs> uh, you know, I love the uh, the small school head coach advancement more than I like the big school assistant coach. Uh, you know, I think you see too many assistant coaches get, uh, you know, at all levels get promoted to the, the head job and they don't find a way to, to balance things. Um, you know, they, you know, as a Jets fan, Rex Ryan comes to mind where he's a great leader of men and the defense was always solid, but then the offense was such disaster that it didn't even matter. So uh, Justin Fuente would be great. Um, you know, the uh, head coach of Bowling Green, Maryland got firsthand what a good job he does, uh, firsthand experience of what a good job he does. So I, I like going after people like that. And I think that now Maryland has a chance to get um, maybe not. I, I think Maryland more than us, the either USC has a chance to really get the best candidate from that pool. Cause I don't think that, um, you know, I don't think that USC in California or South Carolina, um, both of their booster bases probably would not be okay with kind of a relative unknown i think they more want big names shiny objects and i think maryland's kind of positioned perfectly to get you know say i think tom herman's not leaving but someone like that do you agree with that alex because we saw the usc booster request list come out and pete carroll was on it now i'm assuming it was a parody because usc boosters can often sometimes be parody uh but i think that if you are a team like southern cal or even south carolina or even miami whose job could still open up you're going to have to go after a coach like Justin Fuente or Tom Herman because they're the hot names. Justin Fuente's name is even hotter now after beating Ole Miss. Do you agree with what Ethan says? Because I, I, I tend to disagree with that on the whole. I don't know that I have a preference between which path for advancement. Um, I do think that right now the two, the two candidates on the market who are the best combination of like that's feasible and he'd be really good are Tom Herman and Justin Fuente. Uh, I think either of them would be, particularly Herman, who I think is in a class of his own. Um, I think that could be just like a grand slam of a hire. But no, I mean, I think if you have, there are some assistants at big schools who I think could do a pretty good job as head coaches. Um, no joke, I think Lane Kiffin might be one of those people. Please, please stop with the Lane I think, I think uh, stop uh, Scott, it, Frost, stop it. Scott Frost from Oregon would be one of those people. 
Um, Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma defensive coordinator, could be one of those people. Um, there are a lot of guys out there at different levels of football and at different levels on, on a coaching tree uh, who could, if, uh, if, if put in the right circumstance, do pretty well. Yeah, there- or any other candidate. Uh, now, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who went to Maryland, who now goes to Temple, who's probably not listening to this, but if he is, hi, you know who you are. Uh, and we were talking about Matt Rule, and he was saying to me, Matt Rule would be a great candidate for Maryland. He's coming from a Temple base now, and Temple is unbeaten. They're going to play a night game against Notre Dame. Maryland's not doing that for a while because they're not playing Notre Dame. And I said, yeah, he would be a great coach for Maryland if Kevin Anderson and Wallace Lowe hadn't been saying what they had been saying. I talked to you about this, Alex, last week, but I want to get Ethan's view. Do you think that Kevin Anderson, by virtue Kevin Plank, and Wallace Lowe talking up as big as they've talked, is, does that do a disservice or a service to the football program and to the fan base? Because we saw last time when Maryland was hiring a coach, it was leaked that it was going to be Mike Leach, and then it became Randy Edsel, and people got disappointed. Can they really afford to do that again? Uh, I think it, they have to. Um, I think uh, we, Maryland's been in the Big Ten. This is our second year here. Both both years look like they're shaping up to be huge disappointments. Um, and, you know, Maryland has kind of an image crisis in, in football, which is people see – the school, they see our position where we're in the same division as Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. And, you know, it's you have to do everything you can to build your own buzz it, because the word, uh, you know, the word around the college football, football world, I would imagine, is that we are clearly a tertiary job compared to South Carolina and USC. So I think putting out there publicly that we're willing to pay for talent that we want we have these lofty goals can only do good things for people considering us um you know if we're staying humble and saying well we'll just trust the process we'll see where it goes you know i don't know that that gets you you know kind of the aspirational coach that you want you have to um you know you have to put big goals out there if you want people to take notice that might not otherwise do so but on the flip side if maryland does end up hiring a coach like matt rule which i do not expect to happen for the record alex doesn't that come off as a, a disappointment? And not only a disappointment, but a second straight. I wrote about Matt Rule, too. And I just and I thought about it. I said, this would be a great coaching hire if, Mar- if the AD and the president kept their mouths shut. Because he would get Maryland to a position where they were perpetually stable, maybe 8-4 and four consistently in the Big Ten, which is really, really good, considering the Big Ten is a very good football conference. But it wouldn't be what boosters and it wouldn't be what many fans expected. So in other regards... That would be kind of like Randy Edsel, only slightly more successful. Don't you agree, Alex? I do, but I also think that some people need to recalibrate expectations. That's, uh, that's it. That's yeah, it. It's, it's really unlikely, honestly. I mean, this, this is just the way it is because of the neighborhood that Maryland is in. It's really unlikely that the next Maryland coach is ever going to win the Big Ten. I mean, it, it just is. It could happen. Like There could be that really great up year or two where, where they've got a shot at it. Um, but to win the Big Ten, Maryland has to be – Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, Mark D'Antonio, and James Franklin all at once and not have anyone, you know, at Indiana or Rutgers charge up either. Not an easy thing to do. Um, so, and, and again, that's that's just to come out of the Big Ten East. Then Maryland would have to beat Nebraska or Wisconsin or, or Iowa, you know, Jesus. Un- unbelievably. Um, Juggernaut like, Iowa. The Juggernaut. best team in the country, honestly. I probably going to win the national championship. I'm so excited to go to Kinnick Stadium but the point and tell is, everybody that. Is, winning the Big Ten is really hard. It's really hard even if you're Ohio State this year. Um, Michigan is a terrific team this year and is not going to win the Big Ten. 
Um, Michigan State is a terrific program, and they might not win the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, I mean, Iowa's going to go 12-0 and and might not win the Big Ten. So it's it's just a really brutal conference, and I, I think, you know, you obviously want to win it, and, and that has to be your goal, but people should not kill the next Maryland coach if he can't go more than 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four on a regular basis, because it's really hard. I, I absolutely agree with that. So let's talk about one of those coaches that Maryland will be attempting to beat. Penn State on Saturday in Baltimore. I'm not happy this game is being played in Baltimore, but I know why it's being played in Baltimore, and they shouldn't be playing it in Baltimore. But anyway, me in the future is going to, uh, three years in the future is going to be complaining why Texas Maryland's at FedEx Field. But regardless of that, uh, I was trying to tell myself after Alex, you posted a couple of great tweets about Maryland's offensive line, which I want you to explain here because they are hilarious. Penn State's offensive line? Yes, Penn State's offensive line. It's bad. It's as bad as it was last year when it was maybe the worst. I mean, this is this is a really <laughs> well, I don't really know how that's possible. <laughs> group of linemen, like not it's not personal, but they, I mean, Penn State has one of the most talented quarterbacks in college football, and he has just been broken. I mean, and part of that's terrible play calling that doesn't give him much time to throw, doesn't give him the tools that he needs. But I mean, he's on his back within like three seconds on on so many dropbacks um in, in terms of the advanced stats that i pointed out yeah i mean they're they get stuffed on like a quarter of their run attempts they literally don't get back to the line or don't get past the line um their running success rate is among the worst in the country even though they have this kid saquon barkley who's one of the best freshman running backs in the country um and also akiel lynch who's a pretty good upperclassman so yeah they're they're terrible they're really bad maryland should get some sacks on on saturday does that mean that Maryland can win? Because I've been trying to tell myself all I week, mean, it's Maryland not will not beat Penn State. Maryland no. will not beat because I don't want expectations to get high. I don't think I don't think it will happen, but it's not impossible. I think it's much likelier that Maryland beats Penn State than beats Iowa or was or Wisconsin. Uh, no, Maryland will absolutely no. No, I don't think Maryland has a chance against Wisconsin. Okay. But against but against Penn State, there is there is a chance. Uh, Ethan, I don't know how much you hate Penn State. I personally loathe them for many reasons. I'm not going to go on the rant I've gone on in person. If you've seen me in person, you will know what rant that is. Uh, so how much do you want Maryland to win this game? Does it matter as much to you as, say, when Maryland was playing Duke in basketball and you wanted to win that game more than anything? Oh, no. I mean, I hate hate Penn State. (laughs) I hate Penn State, but... I mean, we beat Penn State. I'm not running down Route 1. Uh, Setting things know, on fire. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, you know, I really don't like Penn State um, for lots of child molestery reasons that I won't go into. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's just hard to care that much about football because any win at this point is meaningless. It, you know, it's it, they're all moral victories, I suppose. Um, I truly enjoy beating James, uh, beating James Franklin, even though I think he's a better guy than a lot of people give him credit for. I, I covered football while he was still offensive coordinator, um, and he was always very gracious to to me and to um, the other reporters who were there. And you know, his leaving did precipitate the firing of Ralph Region, which is a shame. But I, you know, I do get lots of satisfaction out of beating Penn State. Just because anyone I've, you've ever I've ever met from the state of Pennsylvania is not my favorite person, so uh, except for me, right? Well, I've, well, I've never met you, so right. I mean, we've never, we've we've never met three dimensionally. It's actually true. It's an <laughs> it's, it's in person. I've barely met Alex in person, except for class. I'm just, I'm just kidding. So we'll Alex, you, yeah. oh hey, we'll have to see each other at graduation probably. Uh, regardless <laughs> of the end at Maryland basketball games, potentially. Uh, Alex, does Maryland beat Penn State on Saturday? Nope. 
Ethan? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, I don't know enough about Penn State, but uh, you're always good for – I think that the – with a coach getting fired that everyone hates rebounding game is a real thing. You see it too many. You see it too often. And I think, I think everyone's gonna be real fired up. Um, so I, I would, if I were to make a, make a pick, I would say Maryland upsets them just by virtue of that. But obviously I wouldn't be shocked if Maryland gets blown out again. Neither would I. Uh, final question before we end, uh, does Maryland shake Penn state's hand before the game? Yes or no? I think so. Ethan, it'd be a power move if not though, wouldn't it? Uh, and then they won again and beat James Franklin with an interim head coach. Good Lord, the gloating from us would never cease. It would be awesome, but we would never shut up about it. Ethan, do, does Maryland players shake hands with Penn State players before the game on Saturday? I hope so. <laughs> you don't want to have to deal with that faux controversy again? I, you know, I just hope that Loxley does things differently. That's what I hope. I just uh, hope that we, we wash our hands of the Randy Edsel era, which includes that, that nonsense. I don't think Randy Edsel endorsed not shaking hands, but hey, they won, so they backed it up in the end. If they didn't back it up, I would have been angrier. But thank you for joining us on this very interesting podcast. Ethan, uh, where can the lovely readers and listeners of this show and of Testudo Times find you on the Twitters and your website? Uh, my website, it's it's thedreamshake.com, just like Hakeem Olajuwon's signature move, and my Twitter's Ethan Rothstein. Um, it's spelled just how it sounds. Good. Well, hopefully people know how to spell Rothstein. It's a fairly common name, surprising, <laughs> as surprising as that sounds. And Alex, everybody knows where to find you, so we don't need to do that, do we? I don't know about that. If they did, they, they, maybe they would have already found me. Uh, well, you don't have as many followers as you should, but that's that's uh, a different. Well, you know followers. It's killer. Well, I, I don't have – I have 350 less than you, so. I, I'm impressed. But who's that counting? You tab- that you tabulated it. <laughs> I, I just saw 900-something, and then I know what my follower count is offhand because because I'm pompous like that. So yeah, we're on an inexorable march towards the towards the 1,000 mark. Oh, a never-ending never march that will take me five more years. But thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully, you enjoyed Ethan being on, and maybe we'll have uh, future Maryland alums who are doing great things in the journalism world in the future. But of course, go Terps.